uh, continuing our studies, in fact, finishing our studies in um, Paul's writings to Timothy. And uh, my last portion is the last chapter, uh, which is chapter 6, and the last um, verses 9 to 22 to the last of the chapter. I'll read from my Bible. You can either listen from me or you can follow from yours. This is Apostle speaking. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Christians, of, Christians to Galatia, Titus unto Damasia, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. The, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou way, be thou way also, for he hath greatly withstood our works. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute Prisca, or Priscilla, and Aquila, and the household of, Onesph of Onesphorus. Erastus aborted Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletus sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter, Eubulus greeted thee, and Pardins, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. We trust that the Lord will bless the reading of his word. I am sure if these brothers and sisters were here, they won't be happy with me in the pronunciations of the names. But here we are. Let us not forget the background here of the circumstances under which the Apostle Paul now writes this epistle. At the opening of this epistle, Jim gave us quite a vivid description of the conditions of the jail that the Apostle Paul possibly was in and of the conditions of the times in which uh, prisoners, were, uh, were prisoners like Apostle Paul were treated. It certainly is not like Durham prison at all. Uh, this were, these were very horrendous conditions. And, and yet, these are the voices that we are hearing from somebody who is probably freezing cold and probably plagued with 
unknown maybe physical sufferings that are as a result of the conditions of his prison, the treatment that he has been subjected by his captors, and probably, perhaps above all, maybe the anguish of the soul for his love of those that he bore for the Lord and yet you would not come to see them again. It is very plain in last week's passage that the Apostle Paul knows at this moment that his end is at hand. He knows that after he writes this letter, probably that will be the last time they will ever hear from him. If you read in Acts chapter 20, there is an episode where he kneels down with the elders from Ephesus and he speaks to them plainly that it is possible that you may never see my face again. And they hug him and they cry together. But he will go on again to preach the gospel. He will go to Jerusalem and he will end up in Rome. But at this point, there is no further for him to go. He is right at the end of this life. And as he's under these circumstances, he brings out to us names. The Apostle Paul seems was not shy to name names for good or for worse. But he will be the faithful apostle that was from the very beginning. A characteristic of the Apostle Paul, if you read the epistles of the Apostle Paul, all his writing, you would think that they were written at almost the same time. Why? Because the character of the Apostle Paul never changed from the very beginning. This would be three decades after the Apostle Paul um, came into an encounter I mean, with, with Christians, so to speak, in Acts chapter 8. This would be three decades after that. But you can see throughout his writings that the character of the apostle is consistent up to the end. If there is one thing as believers that will always be challenged in our walk uh, of faith is consistency. I struggle with it. And I know very faithful men of God and women of God that also have struggled with it. And I don't think anyone who is in this room would be, it would be an exception uh, to that experience. But it is indeed a challenge for us as Christians to say, it is good to start well. But I would argue that it is better to finish well. It is better that we start fledging and stumbling and all that and all that. But by the time we reach the end of our usefulness to our Lord, we be good and faithful servants that will leave a mark of faithfulness for all those who will learn or hear about us long after we are gone. But what we find here, we found here a name Demas. And again, this, as I was reading this, I couldn't help it. My eyes just swelled with tears. 
Demas is mentioned in Philemon, and he is listed amongst co-laborers with Apostle Paul. He's also mentioned in, Col- in, 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 in Colossians chapter 4. He is listed amongst a list of faithful workers for the Lord. Now, I might be wrong on this, but I do not believe that this means that Demas was lost in the faith. But what is very clear is that Demas, who had seemingly started so well, did not end very well. And so the Apostle Paul actually tells us what happened to Demas. He had loved the world. Now, I warn myself and I exhort every believer in saying that the world has a lot to offer. The world wants us. The world is actually not even content to leave us alone. You know, it sometimes you would think to yourself, right, you do you, I do me. The world is not even content with that. We Christians We can see what the world does. We just do not partake with what the world does. And we let them be. When we have the opportunity, we will preach the gospel to them. But we want to go on and serve our Lord and live our lives. But the world doesn't want that. The world is not like that. The world is not content with the fact that we do not live like they live. Right? They are not even content by the fact that we don't bother them with what they do. If they want to do what they do, we don't ask for their heads on a platter. We will preach the gospel, but we do not persecute them for the things that they do. But the world is not content with that. The world would want us to partake in their activities. They, the world will, they want, they will always want to drag us and bring us and be counted amongst them. We are not immune to those things. And indeed, in our everyday life's experiences, there will always be that urge from the world that beckons upon us. And the disadvantage is that none of us were born saved. Now, this is, I believe, is the biblical teaching. I know that in some denominations they would teach that we are basically born as God's children. And then we go. That's not what scripture uh, teaches us. We were born sinners. In sin we were born. And we did partake of the things of the world until the Lord found us. And the sad, the bad news about that is the world still remembers that. It still remembers the sort of people that we were before. And even after we have now, when the Lord has found us, and after we have started and embarked on this journey, the world will continue to beckon upon us. And it seems Demas hearkened to the calling of the world. And followed it to Thessalonica. 
Are we stronger than Demas? Can I claim that I am stronger than Demas? I for one, God forbid, that I will think of myself as such. Now, again, I do not think that this is about salvation. This is about backsliding. This is about somebody who once worked with the Apostle Paul and co-labored, but somewhere along the way got sucked back again into the world. And by this time, he had forsaken the spiritual father who brought him to the Lord. Christians to Galatia. Now, I looked in scripture. This man, Christians, is not mentioned anywhere whatsoever except in this passage. You know what comfort I take from that? There is no errand for Christ that we do that is not recorded. Some of us may not be known in big name circles, but every errand that we do for Christ, it is noticed and written down. Do you remember, I think it's Mark, when the Lord said to the disciples, whoever gives you a glass of water to drink for my sake will in no wise lose their reward. Even that partaker that gives someone who is engaged in the work of God, a glass of water, even them will have their reward. Nothing is said about Christians, but God has seen it fit to mention him for us. Isn't that a comfort to all of us who are engaged in the work of the Lord in one way or the other? Some publicly, some silently, some not known to anybody. But the Lord keeps a record, and indeed, it will not be in vain. Titus, Titus is a very well-mentioned uh, person in Scripture. Now, these ones are not, I do not believe they have gone away because they have forsaken the Apostle Paul. They probably have gone away due to some errands that they had to do for the work of the Lord, or maybe even... Uh, the Apostle Paul um, sent them on some tasks to do there. Titus is well known in scripture. He accompanied uh, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas at the very beginning of his ministry uh, as he proceeded from Antioch to Jerusalem. And he was also uh, sent uh, to Corinth. You remember in Corinthians that we've been doing to collect the contributions for Jerusalem and he later joined the Apostle Paul in Macedonia on his third missionary journey. And of course, right after this epistle, we have the writings of uh, Apostle Paul to Titus, uh, who was tasked with arranging the church at Crete. And then Mark, 
Mark is a very interesting mention here in the last writings of the Apostle Paul. You would remember in Acts chapter 15 that when the Apostle Paul started his going out on his missionary journey, uh, he started off with uh, Barnabas and then uh, he went with uh, Mark on his first missionary journey and then Mark came back, withdrew from them before they finished their first missionary journey. And then when the Apostle Paul and Barnabas come back and they plan to go on their second ministry, there is a dispute there, if you read in Acts chapter 15, between the Apostle Paul and Barnabas as to whether to take Mark or not. Because Mark had not started so well Mark started by stumbling. He withdrew. Instead of finishing the journey with them, he decided to go back and forsook them, so to speak, when they needed him. And then by the time we get to Acts chapter 15, they're about to go on the second missionary journey. The Apostle Paul says, look, it is not right. We cannot do this again with Mark because Mark had proved to be unreliable. And then Jude the discussion that ensues from that result, resulted in the Apostle Paul uh, parting ways with Barnabas, and Barnabas goes eastwards, and, and he takes Mark with him, and then the Apostle Paul goes, um, sorry, Barnabas goes westwards, and the Apostle Paul goes eastwards, and um, he takes Apollos with him. You would think that, as the Apostle Paul thinks about, about these things in his last days, he will be filled with maybe bad feelings towards the Apostle Mark. But this is not what we see here. What we see here, we see, the, uh, we see Mark who abandoned them at one point and now being profitable for the ministry of the Apostle. What does this tell you and me? Reconciliation and forgiveness. If there is a character that we should be known for, especially within the house of the Lord, is that we cannot hold grudges with each other. We should be, we will offend and wrong each other from time to time. That is going to happen. But these are not things that we hold against each other forever. These are not things that make us look for the worst in us. But we should be willing, we who have been forgiven much by the Lord, we should be willing to forgive one another and reconcile. By the time the Apostle Paul is at the end of his life, he is totally and completely reconciled to Mark. And this is what the world should know us of. We are not a bitter people. In fact, as I was reading this and my eyes were swelling with tears, I was like, you can't, you can't feel any bitterness. I mean, he's going, the Apostle Paul is going to talk about Sadness in all this, but you don't see bitterness in his tone. And so he is reconciled to Mark. 
Now, I'm not going to go through every character here that is mentioned. But I'll go to Alexander the coppersmith in verse 14. Now, Demas started well and then was enticed back into the world. Mark didn't start so great, but ended being very profitable to the apostle. When we come to Alexander the coppersmith, I think this is a different category altogether. Now, there is strong reasons to believe this is the same Alexander that is mentioned in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 20. And we see from chapter 1 verse 20, the apostle actually passing a judgment unto this man, Alexander. We do not see a repentance of this man. And by the time we get to, uh, to the end of 2 second, second Timothy, it seems he actually pursued his wayward ways to an extent that he was actually an instrument against the Apostle Paul. He meant the Apostle Paul nothing good. He meant him harm. Now, the Apostle Paul actually warns Timothy to be aware of this man, Alexander. There will be people in our lives as Christians who will be dead set against us. We should be vigilant and careful. And there will be people that would come amongst us. It's not very explicitly said here, but I can imagine that this Alexander was probably mixing himself with the believers against the Apostle Paul. So he was one of those who was even seen amongst the Christians because we know in First Timothy that he was teaching heresy about the resurrection. So obviously he was somebody who was co-mingled with Christians, but obviously perverting the truth of scripture. There is that reality of a demand of vigilance amongst ourselves, of people who come amongst us. You will notice that here at Bencham, we are by no means perfect. Please don't mistake me. But we try to be aware of people that walk through the door. Because not everybody that walks through the door means good for us. And indeed, not everybody that walks through the door is for our good. Some of these people who come in, Scripture warns about, um, warns about wolves that come amongst us in sheep's clothing. These are realities that we as the church of God would experience in our lives. And therefore, we ought to be vigilant. We need wisdom. Some of these things, we need wisdom. There are people who follow the apostle for days, if you read in Acts, supposedly proclaiming right, that these are good apostles. But they were really not one of them. They were actually agents of demons, so to speak. And we would need, we, we, 
No, they won't walk here with a placard which says, uh, look at me, I'm a false, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a false apostle. Look at me, I'm a, I'm a heretic. They won't have that placard. They may dress like us, they may talk like us, and they may walk like us, and they may do some of the things that we do. And without the help of the Lord to discern some of these things, and before we know it, they are amongst us, and they spread their yeast amongst us, and before we know, we are in a worse position that we, other, than we otherwise would be. We ought to be vigilant. And he withstood the words of the apostle. I mean, who would do that to the apostle? And the apostle goes on to say, at his first answer, no man stood with him. How many people came to faith as a result of the work of the apostle? Probably thousands, if not tens of thousands. But this faithful servant of God, by the time he reaches the end of his life, he is all by himself. You know, in verse 9, he almost is pleading to Timothy, do diligence to come unto me. Do not delay. Brothers and sisters, there is something about fellowship that is a, an a central ingredient of a Christian life. The Apostle Paul appeals to Timothy to come to him. At this time, the Apostle is lonely. Loneliness is grievous. God forbid that amongst ourselves there will be people that are living loneliness, living lives of loneliness with no one to turn to. God forbid that amongst us there be people that are suffering and are in pain and suffering all by themselves, alone. This is why we need each other. None of us can claim to be greater than the Apostle Paul, but he is pleading for Timothy, come and be with me. I can testify to the value of fellowship, especially in times of grief, pain, and hardness. Because nobody can understand us as Christians. If a Christian is downcast, we don't need to go to St. James to cheer ourselves up. Now, there's nothing wrong in of itself, right, to go to St. James. But the way the world cheers itself up is not the way that we as Christians lift ourselves up. I, there are times when I can, I can confess that there are times when I couldn't read the Bible. I couldn't. Even if I opened it, nothing came in. 
Because things were that hard at that moment. But I can tell you that there are brothers who would send me messages in the middle of the night. Because I can't read the scripture for myself. They would read for me. And they would send me those passages. That is fellowship. The Apostle Paul is at the end of himself here. He's got no one. He has given birth to thousands of believers. But he's going to face this last journey by himself. And the thing that is amazing is the Apostle Paul is that even then, in those circumstances, what do we see him doing? He is brought before a court of the Gentiles. What does he do? He still preaches the gospel. That by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. As he is shackled, as he is infested by only the, no, the Lord knows what bugs in his body. The Apostle Paul has been faithful from the very beginning and all the way to the end. If there is anything that the world will hear about him, he, it is not going to be about his conditions in prison. It is not going to be how much he is cold. It is not going to be how much he is starved. It's not going to be how many stripes are in the back of his body. But he wants the world, the last thing to hear about him is the Lord. I have never met the Apostle Paul. But I love this man. I love this man. There's something about the Apostle Paul that after more than two decades of Christianity, when I read about this mortal man and the life that he exemplified, it challenges me to say, I can be a better Christian. I can be a better servant. Now, and then it goes on to list, I'm going to finish now, some names, Hall of Famers. There are some people here that we don't know about. Again, these are just names that the Apostle Paul will take notice of. Faithful servants of the Lord. There is no Sheila there. There is no Tudus there. There is no Andrew there. But our names are also written and are known by the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit and grace be with you. Amen. With those words, the pen of the apostle goes silent.
never to be heard of or from again. He started the fight. He lived the fight. He finished the fight. And he was ready to be poured out as a drink offering. And at that point he knew his crown awaited him. This would be two decades since he commenced his ministry in Acts chapter 13. And it would be three decades decades since he encountered the Christians in Stephen. And he would now depart from this world. And as we look at the Apostle Paul, we ask ourselves, was this life worth it? Did he live his best life on earth? History records that he was beheaded And I don't even know if there is a tomb of the Apostle Paul. Maybe he is just buried in a mass grave. I don't know. Was it worth it? Is this the best that Christianity has to offer? Oh, yes. This is the best life ever. We thank God we don't endure or experience the things that the Apostle Paul experienced. But it should not by any means diminish us from a passion to finish the way the Apostle finished. As good and faithful servants who have accomplished and finished the task. I, there are many things in my experience in life that occupy my mind from time to time. And But if there is only, there is one reason that we are here for in this world. If there is any reason why we are still here, it's because God still has got work for us. I pray, when I, when I speak to Sharon, I say to Sharon, I don't want to be here a day longer. than what the Lord has the usefulness for me for. Once my time to be useful for the Lord is done, I don't want to be here a second long. But we are all still here. Do you know why? There's still work to do. How are we going to finish? I hope we'll finish the course and finish it very well. Let us pray. Our precious Lord and our good Savior, we 
Sometimes words are not enough. And we just know that you are an amazing God who takes in his hand faulty, broken mud and you mold it to use in your hand to achieve some of the amazing things that we see you do by your people. Here at Bensham Lord, we ask that you do not pass us by. That Lord, you will take us in your hand to use us for the course that you have set for us. That you would accomplish all those things that you have set in your heart for us to do. We want, O oh Lord, to be good and faithful servants who will finish the course faithfully. Grant us, Lord, the power of thy spirit because what is impossible with man, it is possible with God. We thank you, therefore, Lord, and remind ourselves of the gospel service that is due this afternoon, if you will tarry, Lord. We understand, Lord, the fight that we are engaged in. Help us, O oh Lord, as we avail ourselves to you to say, use us to the glory and honor of your name. These things, Lord, we ask in that most wonderful and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.